Welcome to Can't Stop, Won't Stop. I'm your host, Lindsay Ann. And in 2017, my sister-in-law, Egypt Covington, was murdered. And the local good old boys pinned it on her ex-boyfriend for three and a half years, claiming to need just one more piece of evidence. After protests, emails, phone calls, and fighting for a year and a half, this small town department finally gave her case to the state police. And within one week, you guys, they knew who one of Egypt's killers was, and we now have three cowards that pled guilty to her murder. None of them are her ex-boyfriend. We can't stop and we won't stop helping more families seek the justice they deserve. And we won't stop being warriors exposing the corruption happening throughout this nation. Let's do this! Especially, you know, I I gave my entire self to a man who essentially, you know, he's a he's a predator. He hasn't done this to just me. And my brother told me that Tristan had given another inmate snuff to beat the shit out of him. And he was he was beat up so badly that he had to go to the hospital. This episode is very, very raw. Listener discretion is strongly advised. At the end of episode 100, I told you that there is so much more to get into regarding the narcissistic, womanizing, child abusing, violent corrections officer currently, as of this recording, employed at Clearfield County Jail, Tristan Cruz, also known as Trix. But moving forward, I will call him by his given name, Tristan. People need to know who the real person is that's hiding behind his nickname. According to his former wives, Tristan has five children, four of which he has voluntarily given away his rights to their mothers. You may wonder how this has anything to do with Clearfield County Jail and his employment, and that I should leave his personal life out of my episodes. Well, after many discussions with incredibly brave sources, I have decided that due to the well-being of a child, Tristan behind closed doors, needs to be exposed. How can his almost ex-wife have sole and legal custody of one of their children and their other child is still living with the manipulating and abusive father, Tristan? Is it because Tristan knows the ins and outs of the courts in Clearfield County due to the fact that his mother was Chief Judge Frederick Ammerman's secretary? Let's hear directly from Tristan's current wife and incredible mother of two sweet boys, Samantha Cruz, and learn how she met Tristan. So my name is Samantha Ray Cruz, and I am the current wife of Tristan Cruz. At a very young age, I had went to jail um, as a juvenile um, for truancy. I missed a lot of school. Uh, My mom and anyone who knows me knows my mother was an alcoholic. It, you know, it took control of, of her life. And although my mother loved her children, alcohol, you know, had control of her. And so school wasn't my priority. Um, I was placed on truancy. And um, one day I missed another day at school. And I remember the truancy officer coming and taking me to jail. Um, and that's where I first initially have ha- had met Tristan. I do remember Tristan coming up to me and he, he stated, oh, I know, you, I know your mom. 
you know, everybody kind of knew my mom. And it's not that I was, you know, on drugs or, or bad, you know, vandalizing anything. It was, I just, I didn't go to school. And at one point I, I had taken my grandmother's car downtown when I, I would have been about the age um, to have my permit, but I did not have my permit. And so there were a couple of things that were going on. And then right after that, I was placed in like a juvenile facility. You know, it was a juvenile facility. And that's, that's how I can remember that when I was in jail there, it was, it was a, in my juvenile age. And then yes, Tristan then approached me, you know, I know your mother and a lot of the COs there, they also knew my mother. There was a couple of them that, you know, after Tristan and I had gotten together and gotten married, you know, they, they talked about my mom all the time and how, you know, she, she was a beautiful woman and she just, you know, the alcohol just got the best of her and, you know, they, they all knew her as well. Unfortunately, the alcohol abuse eventually took the life of Samantha's mother. My sincere condolences to Samantha and her family. After Samantha was released from the juvenile facility, she and Tristan reconnected in a roundabout way. The mother of the man that Samantha's mom was dating stepped up to the plate and offered Samantha a place to live. Peg was a blessing for Samantha, and she helped her get a job and a GED. I found a job at a local gas station. It's BP now, but it used to be Kogo's. So I was working at Kogo's for quite some time, and there was a guy that used to come. He would always come like at night, and he would get hot chocolate. And he, he worked at the boot camp. Kohana boot camp. Um, that was his route home. And of course, you know, he became a regular and you just kind of start associate, you know, you start talking to the regular. Um, and he started like, he started approaching me with, he, he brought a gift one day. He, he um, brought two tickets to, it was like a motorcycle rally at our Clearfield fairgrounds. Mm-hmm. And he didn't ask me to go with them. He just, gave me the two tickets. He said, if you'd like to take a friend, you know, maybe, maybe I'll see you there. You know, and at this time, I mean, I was, you know, I was 17, 18 years old. And so I took these t- tickets home to Peg and Shirt and Shirt says, well, come on, you know, we'll, we'll go. And- Her mother's boyfriend, Shirg, and Samantha went to the rally and lo and behold, Tristan Cruz was there with the guy that gave her the tickets. Go there, and uh, we ended up seeing the gentleman that gave me the tickets. He was actually Tristan's cousin, Um, and he was there with, I'm I'm assuming they were married at the time, and I I remember her because she had, like, this long, beautiful, curly hair, you know? It was just Mm -hmm. like, wow, that's kind of how I remembered her. Mm -hmm. It was, it was, you know, a little while after that, then Tristan made his appearance in the Kogos. And he asked me if, if I would like to babysit his children. And while working at Kogos, another regular patron came in and told Samantha that Tristan had sent her a letter in the mail. Take a listen as to how Tristan was able to get this female's address. One day she come up to the porch and she's like, oh my God, you're, you're not going to believe this. She said, you know, Tristan, Trix, had sent her a letter in the mail and she had just gotten out of jail. From what she said, she had some child support she, she had to pay and then she went to jail for child support. And when she got out, Tristan gathered her information from her being in jail oh. and sent her a letter the letter was like, you know, uh, you shouldn't have been in here. You're gorgeous, you know, whatever. And so she stated that, you know, she was going to use them for beer money. Uh, she was a little bit older than I was. So, you know, Tristan had already come up and engaged with me at Kogo's. And so when she called and was telling me this, 
um, the next time that I had spoke with him, I told him. Yep. Tristan Cruz, current corrections officer at CCJ, used resources from inside the jail to retrieve this former inmate's address and sent her a letter. I wonder if that's legal. And how is he still working as a corrections officer at Clearfield County Jail? The next time that Tristan went to Kogo's, Samantha told him that the girl he sent a letter to was going to use him for beer money. And in exchange, he again asked Samantha if she'd like to babysit. I agreed, um, and we go to his house, and he takes me on, like, a four-wheeler ride, you know, around his area, and it Where was just, his wife during all this? So I'm not sure. Tristan had told me that that his, I don't, I, I, they weren't married at the time, but they, they only married because she needed medical and eye and dental insurance. Um, he said that they were really good friends and he was just helping her out with getting her insurance to take care of herself. So then they went to the courthouse and just signed, you know, a marriage license. It wasn't anything, it wasn't no type of marriage. It was just to help her out because he, she was his good friend. Um, and at the time that I went to his house, you know, there were no, they weren't together is what, you know, what he told me. And there were no signs of, you know, another woman living there. I have spoken to this brave woman and ex-wife of Tristan. And she explained to me some of the abuse that she endured while married to Tristan. Here's just one example of his brutal emotional abuse. Tristan had his second wife, whom he also met at CCJ, sign a prenup prior to their marriage. She explained to me that the back of the prenup was for them to list their assets and who each item belonged to. She and Tristan never filled the backside out and instead just filed it in a drawer. Unfortunately, her father died during their time together and their marriage became rocky. While grieving the loss of her father, Tristan would tell her to get over it and just move on. When Tristan was at work, she noticed the prenup was not in the same spot that they had previously filed it in and questioned him when he got home. According to her, Tristan admitted to taking the paperwork to CCJ, hiding it in his locker, and then miraculously, when he brought it home, the back was filled out and he, Tristan Cruz, wrote all of her father's belongings as his property. And according to her, Tristan then took the newly completed prenup to his mommy, the one that at the time was Judge Ammerman's secretary, and had it notarized. Tristan was awarded all of her father's items, including his clothes, tools, furniture, etc. What a cruel, malicious, and heartless thing to do. Shame on every person involved in getting the prenup executed. And to the beautiful woman that this abuse happened to, I am so sorry that you were treated so poorly, not only by Tristan, but by the ones who are sworn to uphold the law. You deserve better. Now back to Samantha explaining how she and Tristan began their relationship. From there, I started to go over when he would have his two children there. And it just progressed to a point where, you know, I mean, I was, I was helping him babysit. Um, I was working my job and then my job, they 
have, it was a franchise thing, so there was like somebody else coming in and taking over ownership of it. Tristan and I were, I don't even know if we were even dating. It's just kind of like, boom, like everything, you know, he made it seem like everything was just this wonderful flow of come and join my control. Samantha fell for this schmuck that is 12 years older, and within months, and against the advice from Peg, she moved in with Tristan at the age of 18, and some of the mental abuse began pretty quick thereafter. So I moved in, and then, like, right away, I became pregnant with our our first son, and, you know, I, I was excited. Most um, girls, they dream about their wedding day where, you know, I dreamed of the day I would I would be able to bear children and have a family. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of my high school years that I completed uh, were all about home ec and child development classes I took for years and, you know, making, like, baby blankets and, all of that good stuff and uh that really was my enjoyment you know that's what i really grasped hold of when i was in school and um before tristan and i had made a commitment or i even became pregnant uh, when i first moved in there with him i was talking to a friend a boy you know a boyfriend we were not in a relationship But he had called the house one day, and Peg called me and said, hey, so-and-so called. You know, you might want to give him a call and tell him that, you know, you're, you know, in a relationship. And so while I was at Tristan's house, I was living there then, I called my friend to, you know, let him know that I moved in here and, you know, I'm in a relationship or whatever. And... It was like a few days later, Tristan received, now this was like a landline phone, you know, he received Mm -hmm. the phone calls that were made. And a few days later, it was like, I had, I, I, it's like I committed a crime because I called this gentleman to let him know that I can, I know I'm no longer probably going to speak to him because of the, you know, the relationship that I was in. Mm hmm. And that's kind of like, looking back, it's like, I, I mean, I wouldn't have known any different, but he sure knew that he was, uh, he was treating me like I committed a, a major crime. And I expressed to him that I was just calling to let, let this guy know that I, you know, I can't talk to him anymore or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now that Samantha's dream of bearing children came true... Tristan told her they needed to get married. He bought her a wedding dress, and on March 29, 2008, they walked into the church and got married. On October 10 that same year, the gift that Samantha had been yearning for finally arrived, a precious baby boy. I was curious if Samantha knew about the total number of children Tristan had prior to marrying her. So I did know about the two children that he had. And a few years into our our marriage, I then found out that he has another child to a different woman. That he, He said he had her very young, and he gave up his parental rights to the mother. Uh, but he did, you know, he did pay child support, and she was under his, like, health insurance and stuff for work. But recognizing now how he treated his first wife and his two children with her, I recognize that now because I am now going through it with him. Samantha said that things were really good for a while, and Tristan seemed excited to have a new baby around. And then Samantha's younger brother started coming around more often, and Tristan did not like that. It was like he just had some type of personal vendetta against my my little brother. Mm-hmm. And so it just always seemed to cause a little bit of chaos when he was there. It, it just got to a point where it was, 
everything always seemed like a fight, like an issue, like I was doing something wrong. My brother, uh, when he was at the age of like 15 or 16, my brother's dad had committed suicide. And he went through a really rough time. And his wife, you know, with that, with that even happening, he, he just kind of lost sense of control for himself. And so I had taken it upon myself to, I was granted custody of my brother because our mom, she, she, she couldn't, you know, she couldn't take yeah. care of him. Um, and my nanny was, well, our nanny was older, you know, she couldn't take care of a 15 year old boy. And I, I could, I, I, I wanted to guide my brother in a, in a good direction and, just pull him, you know, try to pull him from whatever was leading him, you know, in, into bad habits. Mm-hmm. And that was, uh, that was a pretty big deal. What an admirable choice for Samantha to accept custody of her brother and help guide him as he was struggling with the tragic loss of his father. Let's hear more about how Tristan reacted to his wife being such an incredible big sister and taking on such an influential and honorable role. He didn't want him there because my brother was getting in a little bit of trouble. Like the cops would bring him home because he was out messing around on his four-wheeler. And so the cops, you know, they brought him back and... Tristan stated that he don't want him. He don't want my brother living there because he, he was, you know, he was a troublemaker. He didn't want the kids growing up seeing this stuff, and you know, he he got into trouble with some small possession of marijuana, and he's a drug addict, and you know, it just it was forever a fight. So Tristan, he he told me I had to make a choice between my brother or you know my my family, and. It was it was a battle back and forth. Eventually, I I did I I chose to just kind of step away from my brother. Um, he started his you know he started just figuring it out on his own, which wasn't so much of a good thing. But I felt like you know my hands were tied. During the continuous arguments about her brother. Samantha was pregnant with their second child. I was worried because I was so stressed all the time, like just crying. Um, you know, it got to a point where I was calling some of the 1-800 numbers for support, like to just ask them if this is normal because at such a young age, I didn't know any different I thought that, that that was normal to to be treated like that. Wow. Um, I know that you had, like, for the whereabouts, like, wherewithal to know to call those numbers. Like, you you had sensed that something wasn't right, right? right? But, but you didn't know any different. And so did you get any validation or what did, did they help you? Or A few times I would just call in, you know, when when nobody was home because I, I knew the way I was feeling. And, you know, I, most of all, it like ripped me apart because I, I should have been able to care for my brother, um, just as he, just as he was, you know, he's, he's my family, he's my little brother, but being told that I wasn't allowed because, you know, he's a troublemaker and he's, he's a, you know, he's doing drugs and he, Tristan doesn't want him around the boys. And then Tristan, eventually, I, I had to send him to foster care because Tristan didn't want him in the house um, because of, you know, the, the things that were happening. It, it, it just got to a point also where Tristan just treated him so miserably when he was inside the home that I just, I didn't know what else to do, like how else to really help. Their second blessing, another baby boy, was born in the midst of it all. Samantha felt forced to send her brother to foster care 
And according to her, as long as nothing came up about her brother, their relationship remained pretty chill. Samantha loved playing the role of a homemaker, or domestic engineer, as she calls it. For 15 years, I was a domestic engineer. I, you know, I played the role to a T of, of a, I was a, I was a, a homemaker, a housewife. And I loved, you know, I loved catering and attending to my family. And um, it got to a point where I felt like I was so brokenhearted, not being able to communicate with my brother. And so I would call him periodically, you know, when Tristan wasn't home. And so one day my brother called me and he said, hey, sister, you know, I need a ride to probation. And he said, you know, I, I wouldn't ask you if I didn't have any other you know, I just, I don't have any other option. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I'll, I'll take you. You know, if you're trying to do good by yourself, all you need is a ride. I'll give you a ride. Well, a few days later, you know, Tristan knows of all the probation officers and whoever's in town. And a few days later, I, I was, I mean, I was being, you know, like, I was in trouble because he found out that I took my brother to probation and he was driving in the car and he don't want him near his stuff. And I'm like, you know, I, I just like, I mean, I, I was speechless. I, I knew that I probably shouldn't have because I knew Tristan would be pissed off. But on the same note, it's like, you know, you follow your heart. I mean, what is the big deal? And then I asked Samantha to explain a little bit more on how Tristan was so easily able to find out about her being a great sister and driving her brother to probation. He, he worked in the county. You know, his, his mom was Judge Ammerman's secretary for years. And then she went and uh, retired from the uh, county assistance office. So... I mean, they have to, even Tristan with his place of work, he has to reach out to the magistrates, the judges, the, you know, the police officers. Yeah. He knew all the officials in, in the that county. Explains, yeah, that explains exactly right. how then he, he found out that you, heaven forbid, you drove your brother to, like you said, doing something positive in his life, actually showing up. Right. you're supposed to. Then what happened? It was a fight, you know, it was a big fight, and it went on for years about my brother. And I, I told Tristan, I mean, I, I have, you know, messages that I, I've sent Tristan. Like, I've even told him that if there's one thing that makes our marriage, you know, it, it's not 100% because of this one thing you allow to. It's like that's, that's the one thing he didn't have control of was me feeling the way I did about my brother. And that's mm. the only thing they just kept badgering me about. It got to a point where, you know, he would tell me, I, I fucking hate your brother. I hate him. And I don't want him in this. I don't want him in this house. You know, I don't want him around my family. I was wondering if Tristan was controlling with all of the people Samantha associated with or if it was just a vendetta against her brother. So I did have, um, we did have a couple of neighbors that, that were, they were, you know, all mutual friends. The one neighbor was, she's a lesbian. Mm -hmm. Um, and she was my good friend. Like we, you know, we, we hung out, the boys, we were always down there. Tristan also, you know, we were all mutual friends, her family as well. And it got to a point where, you know, I was telling her about, about what was going on and she knew about the way Tristan was treating my brother and she knew a little bit about I mean I I did talk to her and I think once he found out that I was talking to her is when I I wasn't allowed to hang out with her anymore because he accused me of cheating on him with with my girlfriend and so it got to a point where I just became distant with her, but she knew, I think she knew, you know, she knew what was going on and she'll even state that as well. 
it's like he's trying to just push me down. Like, I mean, he's told me multiple times that, you know, my family is trash. I'm trash. I'm never going to be anything. Well, I mean, obviously, I haven't even had opportunities to explore my capabilities um, from a very young age because I, I wasn't, I, I didn't work. I, I wasn't allowed to work. My job was to be the homemaker, which totally makes sense, you know, I mean, I mean, I took care of everything inside the home, especially the boys, and there was nothing that, you know, I wasn't capable of doing. So I did have a couple, you know, a couple of friends that I didn't talk too much to anybody else except the one neighboring friend. Throughout their 15-year marriage, Tristan has accused Samantha of cheating on him many times. I asked her to put the truth on the record. Have you ever cheated on Tristan? No. If I would speak to the opposite sex, I was I was cheating. I, um, I have multiple messages from Tristan that state, you know, I'm sorry, I'm just jealous of you. I don't, you know, he, he doesn't he doesn't like it because he's jealous. He's always it was like he was always accusing me of cheating when, uh, you know, with, with any relationship, if you and your significant other are having an argument, do you think you're just going to go to bed and find an intimate connection right after, you know, this hurtful argument that you just had, mm-hmm. you know, that started to become a little bit distant, that there was there was no intimacy happening because... I couldn't be intimate with somebody who is treating me this way. I don't feel, I don't feel loved. I don't feel like this is right, you know, and I I tried talking to him about it. And it was, if I'm not, you know, he refers to it as, you know, sex. If I'm not having sex with him, then that means I don't love him. I spoke with one of his former girlfriends that also states the same thing he was i mean they were only in a relationship for a short period of time here after me being removed from the house but she also states that he was you know he was just always accusing her of cheating or something along them lines and it's it's just like you know and i haven't even spoke to her she don't even know she doesn't know anything about me and i asked her about their relationship and she said that mm-hmm. it was starting to really be controlling and she's you know he's kind of starting to scare her a little bit and then it was like she was always cheating if she didn't reply back to him right away if you know if he didn't know where she was and that's exactly how it was with me I mean we had cameras all over our property so if I would go to Walmart he would watch the cameras as I left and I would go to Walmart and I would swipe the bank card. Well, then he could see what time I was at Walmart and he knew it took approximately 15 minutes to get home from Walmart. And then he would see me pull in the driveway from Walmart. So I, I, you know, he knew. So how was I able to even get out of the house without like, you know, it's, it, it doesn't, he, his, his, Accusing me of cheating is just, it's its an ongoing, it's been an ongoing thing for so long that it's just, it's just asinine at this point. I wonder if Tristan was following Samantha's every move while he was at work, on work time, possibly neglecting his duties as a corrections officer. It makes me wonder if he was the one that was actually cheating. With all of their cameras and his narcissistic behaviors, how could Samantha cheat? I didn't, you know, it's not, I didn't have a problem with it. I mean, he, the cameras, you know, we had the cameras up and, you know, because he's like always paranoid that somebody's going to be like stealing our stuff or whatever, which a lot of people have security cameras. That's great. But then it just became like an obsession. Like it started with one camera out front and then there was one out back and then, you know, as things progressed, he started hiding cameras inside the house. Without telling you? Yes, without telling me. So I started to unplug his cameras because I'm like, I'm not, you know, if you're going to, 
it was just kind of started so you would, uncomfortable. Well, yeah. So you would just find cameras and be like, what? I had a home gym downstairs. And I really, um, I, I was at a point in my life where I started to focus on myself. I started to give myself, like, you know, two hours of me priority. And mm-hmm. typically... The boys, I would get them up, ready for school, take them to school. I would come back home, and I gathered and accumulated a bunch of gym equipment. And I had, I had a little home gym set up, and I really was able to change my physique. I, you know, my nutrition was on point. I was, you know, I was doing it. I was doing it really, awesome. really good. And I never was able to go to, like, a regular gym because, oh, well, then guys will be staring at you and, you know. And, and I kind of, like, understood that he was a little bit jealous. And so he encouraged that, you know, I just set up the home gym. And it was convenient. I didn't even ever have to leave my house. You know? right. And which I never did anyway. You know, we were... It, it was always kind of a battle with us having problems, but when I when I I started to like show, I was showing him my progress. Like you know, I was like, look, you know, look at this definition, and um, yes, <laughs> you know. And he he wasn't too like at first. He was like, oh yeah, you're not gonna change anything, and that's what really gave me the motivation. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. you you watch me. I know. I, I mean, I did my research. You know, I was following Facebook groups of women who lift weights, and so I was always then like engaging on my phone to figure out how to do these exercises you know because I've never done anything like this before and it was always a fight like you're always on your phone blah 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 um so one day I was downstairs and I was doing my thing and I just happened to like it was like a glare shot out of the corner of my eye and I I seen a camera it was hidden on top of the oil tank Surrounded by insulation. Is that the picture you sent me? Yes, that is the one picture I sent you. Yeah. And so, like, I brought it to his attention. Like, what are you, you know, what are you... And he even, he told me, um, because I'd be on the phone quite some for quite some time. Um, and this was just, you know, recently. I had been talking to a counselor from a women's resource center and I talked to her just before I would go downstairs and do my workout Mm -hmm. and so uh this whole time that he's had this camera down there I I don't know how long it was down there but for quite some time I know he has listened to you know my conversations with with this counselor and it got to a point where he started harassing me about it he was like I can I I hear you talking and texting all day long and I I'm like you know what do you have cameras hidden around and he's like I have I have cameras hidden everywhere because I'm allowed to because this is my home and they do record video and audio so oh my gosh my counselor told me like I told her about it she said you need to call the state police and but she was giving me options on how to um alleviate myself from this situation you know, the things I was telling her that were happening between Tristan and I, she told me that this is not okay. He's gaslighting you. You know, he's, uh-huh. he's being a narcissist, which I've never heard of any of this stuff before, you know. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I did know that what was happening was it wasn't okay. Um, it was starting to affect me very severely, and it was starting to affect the boys as well. So, yeah, he was hiding cameras. It was like a, it was like an obsession for him. I mean, there was there was cameras out front, there was cameras out back. I found them in the basement. You know, it was uh, the state police told me that there's nothing they can do about it because he owns the home. He oh my gosh! And I said, well, they rec- you know they're recording video and audio, and they they told me that it it was fine, and that was right towards the end of our our separation. I have not looked up the audio and video recording laws in Pennsylvania within a home. So I can't comment on whether or not the police told her the truth. However, 
it seems really odd to me that someone can have conversations with their counselor and without them knowing, have another person listen to their private conversation. Tristan's verbal and emotional abuse was getting out of hand. His cowardly approach of bruising a female's mindset is way worse than bruising them physically. Both women I have talked with mentioned the physical abuse only happened once. Well, I was talking to one of his former uh, wives, and she mentioned that same thing. He only got physical with her one time. But she said to him, thank you. Those bruises will go away. The bruises that you have given me from your emotional abuse will never go away. Right. And I told Tristan that, too, all the time. I said, you know, you, you can't take back your words. Like, I almost feel now like he was trying to embed those into my brain scripture so that I didn't think you know, that's the only thing that, that I could think about were, were these things. I mean, he, it, it, you know, at times he would call me a titless fucking cunt. Oh, my you know, God. He, he would tell me that my mom was, she was nothing. You know, I, I wasn't, you know, my, my uh, maiden name is Kapach. So, you know, my... My family isn't, uh, my family isn't, uh, you know, they're, they're not trash. We, I, I, I don't, I just, like he has just, he has to look down upon everybody, but, uh, the only person he doesn't look at, at is himself in the mirror, to be quite honest, because after going through all of this, what is happening in my life this last year and a half, um, really, I'm glad that he, I, I, I would like to say thank you to Tristan for showing his true colors and what type of person um, he is. And for me, I know that my heart is pure. I have good intentions. I don't want to be deceiving. You know, it just it just be kind. Be kind. Mm-hmm. Be kind. Do good things. Help everybody that you can. We we're here to support each other. You know, we all we all, I always say like we all live on one earth. If we don't keep this earth to you know doing good things, we just trash it up all over the place. Well, we, ain't, we ain't gonna have you know, we're not gonna have nothing to live on. Such a strong statement. Samantha thanked her abuser for showing his true colors. I am so proud of you, Samantha. Remember earlier when Samantha spoke about her sweet nanny? Well, she sadly had a stroke. And take a listen to how Tristan reacted to the tragedy. My nanny, um, I spoke with her one evening. I didn't hear from her the next day. I went and checked on her. And um, I found her um, in, in her apartment. She, she had a stroke. And her entire right side was immobile. Um, she was life-lighted to Danville. Um, they told me that it, it, she, she was in a coma. And they told me that she wasn't responding well and her brain activity, um, it just, she, she was on life support. And I was my nanny's power of attorney. And I, you know, I promised her that I would follow all of her wishes. So it got to a point where the doctors told me that I, uh, she had been on life support for the, the length of time that they, you know, approve of. And that I would have to go in and I would have to um, pull her from life support. So at that time, I called my brother and I told him that Nanny was, you know, she was sick. And that I asked him if he would like to go up and say his goodbyes. Mm-hmm. And uh, really without even questioning Tristan, you know, I took my brother to Danville it was such a fight that I took my brother to see our, our nanny for what we thought would be 
you know, yeah. one of the last times for, for him. And I, you know, Tristan kept saying, I can't believe you took him in my car. And, and, oh my you know, God. it was just, it was just a fight that I took my brother up to see my, to see our nanny. So at one point during this fight, I'm like, listen, Tristan, you know, I am about to, I, I have to make the decision to um, pull, pull nanny from life support. And, uh, there, there was a set date, you know, and. Uh, he fought with me up until the day I needed to go back down to Danville to pull my mm. nanny from life support. Tristan did go with Samantha to the hospital, and it was her choice not to take her brother on this specific date due to his young age and the seriousness of the situation. Listen to what happened when Samantha was at the hospital, expecting to make the unimaginably difficult choice of taking her nanny off life support. When I entered my nanny's room, it was the first day that since she had been in the hospital, um, her eyes were opened. Mm. And I asked them, like, what is going on, you know? And um, they said that it was a neurological response to... You know, they kind of poke you and prick you to try to get you to respond while you're in a coma. Hmm. And they told me that it was like just, you know, a, a response to the testing that they had done. Okay. And um, so they walked me down to a big, you know, a different waiting room. And they said that my nanny would pass away pretty quickly. And um, a few minutes later, the nurse come back in and she said, Samantha, she said, your grandmother um, is asking for you. Oh. And for those people who do not believe in miracles, you know, my nanny, she's, she is, she means the world to me, you know, and for Tristan to even be fighting with me during this time that I was going through, I just, I just couldn't, it was hard, you know, it's hard to deal with at that time. Nanny stayed in the hospital for a while and then in a nursing home for a few years. It ended up getting to a point where her health began to make a serious decline. And right as this was happening, Samantha shared this. And it was about that same time where um, my mom's neighbor had called and said that, he said, I haven't seen your mom for a while. Have you talked to her? And I was, I was upset with my mom at the time because I bought her a $9 skillet from the dollar store. And, and um, she never paid me back for it. And, you know, Tristan was pissed off at me because he called me an enabler all the time. I was enabling her because I bought her what she needed so that she could buy her alcohol. Oh, and um, so I got in the car and I was going to check on my mom. And I already, like, I felt like I was being prepared, like, the whole drive there. It was like I knew something was wrong. And, um, I knew, I just, I knew I was being prepared for something. And when I opened the door to my mom's apartment, um, she, she was deceased. She had passed away. Oh my God. Um, she had some issues with stomach ulcers, um, from drinking. When she would drink, her blood pressure would rise, which would cause these ulcers to erupt. So essentially, she bled to death. Oh, Samantha. Holy cow, I'm so sorry. Tristan did go to the house to comfort her, and Samantha's brother was incarcerated at Jefferson County Jail at that time. Samantha told Tristan that she needed to get to her brother to tell him in person that their mother had passed away. And so I, um, I said, I gotta go, you know, tell my brother that our mom had passed away. 
and like the day of my mom's death, this man told me, you don't fucking need to go up there. You just call up there and a CO will go in and tell him for you. And I stood up for myself that day. I said, no, like my heart tells me that I have got to go be with my brother right now. And so I did. I went up and I made the arrangements, you know, and I told my brother what had happened. And for months, for months after my mom passed away, my mom passed away early September, like around the 10th, I want to say. Um, And her birthday was... September 15th, whereas mine is September 16th. Oh, okay. But on the day of my birthday, um, and this was just shortly after my mom had passed, I was at the funeral home picking up her ashes on my birthday. And I remember sitting in the parking lot, and Tristan was just sending me... I mean, he, he was fighting with me because I... I made him look bad because I took my parents to a jail to visit my brother to tell him that our mother passed away. Um, it was a fight for for a long time, for months. And so finally I said, Tristan, I can't, I can't do this no more. You know, I, my brother is all I have left and I refuse to just cut ties with him. And um, it was just after that, it was just like, you know, he, Tristan will apologize. He, you know, I don't care what you do with your brother. But it was always a vicious cycle of, you know, one minute it's like he don't care. But if I talk to him, then it's like the end of the world again. So Tristan Cruz is sending argumentative texts to his wife because he was mad at her for making an appearance to visit her brother in jail while she's sitting in the parking lot with her mother's ashes trying to calm herself to drive home. I really just didn't understand why, you know, why. If that was the only thing he continued to fight with me about, it's like, why can't he just help himself like control himself mm-hmm. um, because that's the only thing he ever ever really had an argument about was my brother during this time samantha became what i would call depressed she stopped doing the things that made her happy she felt like she became a zombie she eventually chose to disconnect with her brother so she and tristan would stop fighting. And things were good for a while. But then this happened. Um, And it was one day, Tristan come home and, you know, I don't know, some type of argument come along. And he, he told me, he looked at me and said, I had your brother fucking creamed in jail today. I had his eyes so fucking beat, he can't even look at me through his eyes. And I I just am like, oh my God, you know, I don't know if he's telling me the truth or if he's just trying to, like, be, that, that's verbally, like, that's how he was verbally abusing me, mm-hmm. you know, and I I was just, you know, I didn't, I don't, I don't even know. So come to find out, um wasn't it wasn't um just long ago that i i started to really reconnect with my brother just like no time had passed at all but um i asked him and i asked his girlfriend about this incident and um yeah so when my brother had went to jail in Clearfield county um he was in a block and one day they had him move to a different block and my brother 
told me that Tristan had given another inmate snuff to beat the shit out of him. And he was, he was beat up so badly that he had to go to the hospital. And, you know, like, it was like, I knew, I knew after Tristan telling me that, like, I can't, um, Tristan doesn't support my values and he doesn't support. So you guys were still, you weren't separated at this time when he did this to your brother? No. Yeah. We were still together. Um, You're still together and he is, he's abusing your loved one, someone who you love and care about deeply. And he clearly knows that has Mm -hmm. him beat up and in exchange, he gives the inmate that beat your brother up snuff. Yes, that is, that's, um, that is what my, that's what my brother stated that he, and, and I hear that a lot. It's not just with my brother. I hear a lot that, um, Tristan, you know, he would encourage, um, you know, he, that's how he got his his way. He, he would give people things to get what he wants. Oh my God. I am so sorry. And your brother. Um, and they, so they purposely moved him into that block because. Yeah. And then. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So my brother's girlfriend, they, they I, I really don't know, like, you know, the full details of what. But my brother's girlfriend was, um, she was also in jail at the same time. There was another inmate that that yelled. I, I think the females might have been out in the yard and the one inmate yelled, yell, hey, you're, you're, you know, he, he was saying that Tristan, Trix, had just gotten your boy beat up, you know, because they all knew that Tristan had, like, some type of personal bandana towards my brother. Mm-hmm. So they, um, you know, they let my brother's girlfriend know that he, he just gotten beat up. Whether there's a a uh, medical report from that. I'm, I'm not sure. That's something maybe it would be public record. Um, I'm sure I could find that if I needed to. Mm-hmm. Within the last 10 years, within the last 10 years that it happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your brother absolutely can, especially because he went to the hospital. Right. And there would be an incident report written up at the, from the... Um, your brother should, should have that in his paperwork. There should be an incident report of a, a fight. Right. I will write that down in my notes and see if I can gather that information mm-hmm. um, as well. I mean, if he, if he or I, I could. Clearfield County Commissioner and Prison Board Member John Sobel. Clearfield County Commissioner and Prison Board Member Tim Winters. Clearfield County Commissioner and Prison Board Member Dave Glass. Chief Judge and Prison Board Member Frederick Ammerman. District Attorney Ryan Sayers, Human Resources Director Marianne Sankey, and Acting Warden Susan McQuillan. I will say this so the people in the back can hear it. Current Corrections Officer at Clearfield County Jail, Tristan Cruz, is bringing in contraband to the inmates. I have been suggesting this for months, and now we have the facts. How can you be proud to employ Tristan Cruz knowing that he gave an inmate snuff as a trade for beating his own wife's brother so bad he was hospitalized? And last week, I reported that Tristan Cruz was giving female inmates snuff in exchange for them rolling their shorts and shirts to show more skin. When is enough going to be enough? When will one of you stop being a coward and stand up for what's right? This abuse of power has been going on for decades, probably centuries. It's time to stop the madness. Tristan Cruz is abusive, 
negligent, and on a power trip. Why can he get away with this? Why is he not being investigated and on administrative leave? Is it because he's buddies with police officers? Is it because his mommy was Ammerman's secretary? Is it because all of you get your snuff from him too? Is it because some of you roll up your shorts and shirts for him too? Is it because you are heartless human beings? What is the reason? If Tristan Cruz is capable of doing this mental and physical abuse to Samantha's brother and his own wives, imagine what he's doing to his children and to the inmates at Clearfield County Jail. More on that next week, and here's a preview. He treated his oldest son, it's, it was like when he finally was able to like stand up for himself, that's when Tristan started to become a little bit more aggressive with mm-hmm. his oldest son. Um, and it, it got to a point where one morning Tristan had money missing and he blamed it on, on his oldest son from his previous marriage. And he, he woke up, he woke him up before school one day and was just yelling in his face. And I, I remember like, I told him, I'm like, you know, he's just, he's just getting ready to go to school, you know, like talk about this afterwards. Um, and it was later that evening his son never came home and he went straight to his mother's and his mother, um, children, youth family services showed up and they said that they were going to leave um, his son with his mother because he, he was about, I'm going to say like 13 at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tristan, his, the exact words that came from his mouth, he said, fuck that kid. I'm not spending no more money on him. And um, his then his son. That's the day he started to live with his mother. And Tristan just gave you know. We, I remember he went to court and he he gave his mom you know custody of of his oldest son. Where then he still had his youngest, well, his other child um, with her. And she she you know she um, at about the age of. I want to say, like, age of 16, she respectfully presented to her father that, you know, I just I just want to stay with my mom. And, you know, we had a pretty good relationship where she, she also questioned a lot of the stuff that happened with my brother. Like, why is he, like, that's her brother. Why is he, like, always throwing a big fit about it? But when she re- respectfully made the decision that she wanted to live with her mom, I remember the day her and her brother came to pick up her belongings, and I didn't know this until after, um, it it was after his daughter had left. Um, Tristan was messaging her while we were all reminiscing through her belongings. Um, Tristan was in the living room messaging her, and he said to her, once you leave, you are you are never coming back. Let your uncle, you know, take care of you, and basically just rip her off mm. from that day forward. Stay tuned. Thank you to every one of our patrons. Because of your generosity and consistent support, we are able to bring on new cases and help more families seek the justice they deserve. If you'd like to join this incredible community, check out patreon.com, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com, backslash can't stop, won't stop. It'll cost you a minimum of $3 a month, and your money goes towards helping grieving families. In order to continue our passion, we need your help to support our donations to families, headstones for deceased loved ones, FOIA requests for loved ones, hotel and travel costs for us to meet grieving families, and so much more. Again, that's patreon.com backslash can't stop, won't stop. We appreciate you.
I can't stop and I won't stop being a warrior for justice. Too many people are afraid to speak up and tell their truth. I'm here to give you the confidence to use your voice and share your story. Our voices matter. You guys, your voice matters. Use your First Amendment right to speak up. That's how we create change. Be a warrior and fight for justice. For almost daily updates, please follow me on TikTok at MyLindsayAnn. And I'm also on Instagram at MyLindsayAnn. On Facebook at Can't Stop, Won't Stop, where we go live every Sunday at 8 p.m. And on YouTube at Can't Stop, Won't Stop Warriors. Thank you to Mr. Peace for allowing me the rights to the song, Where'd You Go? Featuring our beloved Jacqueline Elizabeth Egypt Covington. You know, I don't know why so much pain and loss has to happen. I don't have all the answers. You go? Only he does. You so. And Seems like it's been sometimes the best thing to do is, is just trust it. It was back in 04 when Grandpa died and my shirt was soaking wet with tears from my eyes. You tried to call me down, tried to plead your case, but I just bit that face right back in your face. And you said, well, you may not understand now. Somehow, someday, some way, you'll find out why it had to be. Yeah, according to his plan, he won't put you through anything that he thinks you can't make it through. With his everlasting love, you may need to scream at the top of your lungs. Because while you think he died at too young an age, it really was his time. There's no reason for rage. He's in a better place now, away from the pain and the stress and the hate and the hurt and the strain. The best way to honor him and his legacy is to live how he did and not question me. Where'd you go? I miss-